Good day. I'm Andy Stone, and you're listening to another episode of the Energy Policy Now podcast brought to you by the Kleinman Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. Rooftop solar holds great promise for consumers who want to generate clean energy and save money. But what's good for owners of rooftop solar may be less positive for electric utilities, who risk losing business as customers use less energy. That begs the question, will utilities continue to be financially sound, maintain reliable electric service, and all the while enable new forms of clean, homegrown energy and energy efficiency? This is a complex issue that often pits consumers against power companies, involves challenging issues of social equity, and ultimately impacts the wallets of everyone. Here to shed light on the issue is Sonny Popowski. Sonny, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Sonny is former consumer advocate for the state of Pennsylvania. During his 30-year career, he represented consumer interests on electricity and natural gas prices and also successfully advocated for consumers in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. He continues to speak on behalf of utility consumer interests on a number of national, state, and local boards, including the Electric Power Research Institute and the Pennsylvania AARP. He's also on the advisory board of the Kleinman Center. Now, Sonny, uh, just to get started, I wonder if you could give us a bit of background on the Office of the Consumer Advocate and some explanation of the process by which electric rates are set. Sure. Um, my office, Pennsylvania Office of Consumer Advocate, was established in 1976. I actually started working there in 1979. Uh, offices like ours were created uh, across the country in, uh, in uh, nearly all the states. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, at a time when uh, energy prices were spiking, uh, telecommunications industry was in uh, somewhat turmoil. And the, the idea was that um, utilities have always been uh, well represented when they go before the uh, state p- uh, and federal utility commissions, uh, for example, when they seek a rate increase. On the other hand, it, it was felt back then that the consumers, the many millions of uh, particularly residential consumers, who have to pay those bills were not well represented. So offices like ours were created to uh, create a, a level of expertise uh, for customers so that they could be represented by lawyers and experts in these cases that involve uh, uh, literally billions of dollars of uh, consumer uh, money over the years. And then um, at retail, you actually have competitive providers who can sell electricity to individual retail customers. Okay, so historically, electric uh, utilities make money when they build more infrastructure, more power lines, distribution lines, power plants when when that's under their purview. Um, So they've also had the incentive to do just that and enjoy the added profits that come along. Um, Of course, they've sold more electricity, too, over the years, another source of growing revenue. But over the past few years, utilities maybe haven't – been the safe investments they once were. What, what's going on? Well, um, this really goes back um, sometime to the point where competition was allowed. Um, so you do have different sources of uh, competitive energy. Um, on the other hand, I think in states like Pennsylvania, the utilities have been able to accommodate that because what they'll do, what a utility here, like here in Philadelphia, Pico, will buy energy for customers at, in the wholesale market, sell it at retail uh, for the same price, and they're pretty much indifferent as to whether you buy that electricity from them or from a uh, competitive retail supplier. Uh, the new development, the new development which you mentioned in your introductory remarks, and which I think you wanted to talk about mostly today, is a new type of generation, um, where the generation is actually on the customer's premises, where it's on what we call the customer side of the meter. 
Uh, and if you think about it, that's what primarily what we're talking about there is uh, rooftop solar. And that does pretty much change the, um, the utility equation because when we're talking about e even competitive generation that I mentioned at the wholesale level, it's typically part of the grid. Uh, like I said, the local utility buys the power at wholesale, can sell it at retail, and uh, they can accommodate that. What, what's become more of a problem for the utilities is this new type of generation on the customer side of the meter where the, cu where the customer, at least for a portion of their service, can bypass the utility altogether. Uh, and uh, that's uh, rooftop solar is the best example of that. Okay, so um, we've got rooftop solar, but that's created some revenue challenges for the utilities themselves. Yeah, that's that's right, and particularly the way that um, the the industry, the the rooftop solar industry developed, and the way it was priced, and the primary way that, um, as a new industry, um, as a relatively new product, the initial way that that uh, was developed to uh, to price that is something called net metering, and if you think about what net metering is, it's basically your meter on your house, you probably have seen it, you probably noticed it. Well, basically, it runs in both directions. Uh, if you buy, when you're buying electricity from the grid, it runs in the positive direction. When you, as a uh, solar, rooftop solar owner, are producing energy from your rooftop, the meter runs in the other direction. So net metering, as the name implies, is what, what you're paying is the net, uh, you, the customer, pay the net bill, which is, how much you buy from the utility minus how much you produce, and that's on the net meter. That could be a positive number. It could be zero. It could be a negative number at the end of a, of a, of a month. So um, net metering was, was the way that the industry got started, basically. It makes sense. It's sort of elegant. You don't have to – it's not all that complicated. Customers can understand it. Um, the problem that's developed, though, it, uh, particularly in states where you have a whole lot of solar power – uh, think about states like uh, Hawaii or California or Nevada or Arizona, um, where you have now very large amounts of rooftop solar. What the industry, the utility industry, is arguing in those states is, well, wait a minute, um, these customers are producing a lot of e energy on their rooftops. Uh, they're dramatically reducing their, their bills, in some cases, to zero or even a negative amount, but they're not leaving the system. They're still part of the electric utility system. They still use the electric distribution wires uh, that come into their home. They still rely on the utility for power when the sun goes down. Uh, so um, what the utilities are arguing is that um, taken to its um, logical extent, uh, the net metering system produces what, that, what some utilities call a death spiral. Uh, I think it's a bit of an exaggeration, but you could see in states like Hawaii, California, uh, where you have an awful lot of, of solar, that they're saying the more customers who produce their own generation, maybe to the extent that they can zero out most of their bill, uh, uh, they're not contributing to the network. And what that means is that either the utility has to eat those costs uh, or they have to just charge them to other customers. So uh, there's a, a very... Uh, significant debate going on uh, across the country about what the best way um, what the best ways are to promote uh, the types of power that I think we all want which are renewable more renewable resources cleaner resources uh, that help to help us when it comes to environmental issues so I think there's a general consensus that we want more 
renewable energy versus how do you do it? How do you produce this energy in a way that um, is can be priced and operated in a way that's fair to the solar uh, owner that's fair to the utility, and uh, from my perspective, perhaps most important or very important is how do you make that fair to the other customers who are paying uh, for some of these costs? Somebody's got a solar rooftop, they're paying less for the grid because they're using more of their own homegrown electricity, for example, and then the the revenues that would go to the utility to maintain the distribution network fall on somebody else's back. That's right, and and that is. Because, like I said, the, the distribution portion of the system in particular in all the states and, and the generation portion in many states, but let's look at the distribution, that is still regulated as a monopoly. Again, we don't have multiple distribution companies running their um, uh, lines down, down our streets. And furthermore, uh, we're not talking really just about you know a cabin in the woods that just has a solar panel that just that is not part of the grid. We're talking about... Customers who are still connected to the grid still use the electricity grid every day, either to buy power or to sell power. And the question is, how do you pay for that? It sounds like utility revenues are going to be, you know, trending downward as more people, do, you know, produce their own electricity. Uh, not to over exaggerate this, but you know, is there anything that the utilities can do to stop this revenue bleeding? Well, that's that's the big issue right now in in utility uh, regulation across the country. Um, because what the utilities are saying is we have to find a way to uh, recover the costs of of operating and building and maintaining uh, the network. So they've tried a a number of of approaches. Um, The simplest approach, and let me stop for a second. If you go home and look at your bill or or go in your desk and look at your bill right now, what you'll see is that there's a portion of the bill that's called the monthly customer charge. And that's a flat rate, that's a flat amount that you pay every month, you know, maybe $5, $10 a month. Here in Philadelphia, uh, where we are, it's, it's about eight, a little over $8 a month. That remains on your bill no matter what. Even if you use no electricity, even if you spend the winter in Florida, you're going to get that $8 a month um, uh, bill every month. That's just month. to be hooked up to the grid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's just to be connected. So you're paying that $8 a month. But the majority of the bill is based uh, on what's called a a kilowatt hour basis. That is, the more you use, the more you pay. So um, in Philadelphia, for example, the, the distribution portion of the rate is around uh, six or seven cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, the generation portion of the rate, depending on where you buy it, uh, maybe seven or eight cents a kilowatt hour. And those vary based on how many kilowatt hours you use. So looking at just the distribution rate, let's say you use uh, a 1,000 kilowatt hours a month. Um, and if the... Um, if the distribution rate is six cents a kilowatt hour, uh, that's about sixty dollars a month. Um, now, remember, I said the customer charge is only about eight dollars a month, but your distribution charge is sixty dollars a month. That's what you're paying to to maintain that distribution system. So the flat system. part is very small. So overall. the flat part is relatively small. So. Think about from the utility perspective: if that customer now puts a solar panel on their roof, and instead of, and they may use fifty kilowatt hours on Monday. Uh, or they may generate 50 kilowatt hours on a Sunday, on a sunny day on Monday, but when the sun, on a cloudy day on Tuesday, they may buy 50 kilowatt hours. Those two net out to zero. <laughs> and, uh, what, and at the end of the month, if, lo and behold, that customer has bought a, used 1,000 kilowatt hours but also generated 1,000 kilowatt hours, then the only portion of the bill that they actually pay is that $8 a month customer charge. So what the utilities are saying is, well, let's raise the customer charge. 
Uh, and that's what they're trying and around the country. We've seen uh, proposals, um, one in uh, Wisconsin, I think, uh, Madison Gas and Electric, uh, where they wanted to raise the uh, customer charge to, I think, uh, $60 a month. Uh, we've seen other proposals for $30, $40 a month. Uh, and what that means, though, uh, and one of the reasons that's a problem is if you think about it, so what they're saying is let's say you have a, a one-room efficiency apartment in Center City, Philadelphia. You pay $60 a month. Let's say you have a 10-bedroom um, uh, mansion on the main line, you pay $60 a month. Uh, you're paying, so that would be, so it doesn't matter how much electricity you use, except for a very small portion of the bill. Um, I'm sort of oversimplifying it, but that's the point is the larger the customer charge is, the less the customer's usage matters. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter for, for that portion of the bill whether the customer, again, is, is using very little electricity or an awful lot. And that's bad, I think, in my opinion at least, for two reasons. One is that um, it, it doesn't treat the low, the low usage customers who tend to be lower income, for example, uh, who, who are using less energy. Um, it's not fair to those customers. Uh, in addition, it doesn't provide very much incentive for customers to conserve energy. And that is one of the things that we're all looking for, I think, as a society, is, is to use energy more efficiently, is to conserve energy. And if, you have a, if, if the vast majority of the bill is a monthly charge that you can't do anything about, then what's the point of conserving? What's the point of turning the lights out when you leave the room? Uh, uh, so anyway, so again, to oversimplify. So that's one of the reasons that the utilities proposals across the country and they have occurred right across the country to, to substantially raise the customer charge for everybody, not just for the solar customers, who may just be a small percentage in a given state like Pennsylvania, but for everyone. Uh, they're proposing to uh, increase those customer charges by substantial amounts. And that's been widely uh, opposed by both consumer advocates and by environmentalists um, because of, of the impacts that, that I mentioned. So that's one of the things the utilities have proposed. Uh, I could mention a couple others if you if yeah, like. So, yeah. if it's, so basically what you're saying is that everybody would have this higher fixed fee no matter how much they use. Right. Uh, and that, that, that puts an undue burden on people who may use less or may, as you mentioned, could you just you know raise the price on the per kilowatt electricity that you're using? Well, per kilowatt hour, that's per right. Per kilowatt hour, yes. Yeah, uh, and you can do that. Um, the problem, from again, from the utilities perspective now is – Let's say they raise the price from um, six cents to eight cents. Well, now um, the again now now going back to the solar customer, they're paying zero in that example because of the way net metering works. Is the net the meter only knows a typical you know single meter that can operate in either directions is charging eight cents for what you use, but it's also reducing your bill by eight cents for what you don't use. So, uh, just raising the the, per, the the cents per kilowatt hour doesn't address the um, the problem that the utility has for with respect to the solar customers, and that in fact, theoretically at least, at some point gives rise to the kind of death spiral that they're worried about. Because you can keep raising it and raising it and raising it till you've got till the majority of customers suddenly are paying nothing or very close to very little because of net metering. Uh, whereas the uh, the remaining customers are now paying double. They're you know so, and, and but let me mention by the way that there is a you know a, a very strong defense even of the net metering, and I just want to mention that, which is that solar advocates would argue, um, and many do, 
that um, that the solar power that that is provided to this to the utility is very valuable. Uh, In what way? Well, uh, for example, let's say that the the time when it's most expensive for a utility to uh, to provide energy is during peak periods, uh, the hottest day of the summer. Let's say in the afternoon. Well, if that happens to coincide with with a time when my roof, you know, from the solar the solar owner's roof is producing power, that that actually benefits the whole system because the utility can now use less of the expensive energy that they have to get from the grid because they have access to the energy that they're getting from their from their solar customers. Also, solar energy has no emissions. So um, hopefully we as a society uh, will, will eventually address the problem of, of climate change. And when we do, we'll be glad to have a lot of solar power. Uh, the question in my mind just Getting back from my own perspective, is there are there are other ways to get solar power? By the way, it's not just rooftop solar. Um, uh, many of our most successful solar projects are very large. You can see them uh, in in areas, solar fields and, and solar farms and so community solar, larger arrays of solar, which tend to be less expensive, less costly than doing an individual rooftop solar. Uh, also, in some ways, can be more. Um, more efficient in the sense that um, they're often designed so that they can actually follow the sun. They can uh, they can build, build on an axis so they can go uh, up and down and, and follow the sun a little better. So I think there are, uh, from, even from an environmental perspective, there are there, there's a big debate. Let, let me just leave it at that. Say so there's a very uh, important debate I think going on across the country about uh, the value of solar, uh, and particularly whether it makes sense to have that solar um, on rooftops, uh, whether we want to promote that uh, or whether it's better, uh, more economical and more environmentally beneficial to uh, focus on larger arrays of of, uh, solar panels. In the meantime, it sounds like we do have two kind of separate but related issues here. One is that less electricity is being used. So how do you equitably pay for the grid so that everybody pays their share and they're not unduly burdened? On the other side, you do have declining revenues, but we still need the grid. I mean, solar power doesn't really work economically unless you have a grid that you can sell into that you get your net metering rate from. So how do we keep the utilities' revenues where they need to be? And how do we also, again, what would the proposal be to to, to make sure that everything's handled equitably from the, the customer side? Yeah. My own view is there. there's an, an alternative way to, to price solar, which is – variously called uh, uh, value of solar, uh, avoided cost of solar, um, where w- and those sound like different things, but I think they're pretty similar, which is basically what you're saying is that net metering was a reasonable way to get the industry started. An alternative method, which is being used in, in some states, is to treat the solar energy that you're generating, treat it as a distinct product separate from the electricity that you as a customer are using. For example, um, the city of Austin, Texas, which is a very progressive municipally owned uh, utility in in Texas, uh, they have a tariff where what they're saying is for whatever electricity you use, you pay the utility rate for that electricity. For whatever electricity you produce that you generate, you receive a credit from, from us, from the utility, based on the value of the solar. And the value of the solar could be higher than the retail rate or it could be lower than the, re- than the retail rate. It depends on how much the utility would have to pay 
for buying generation from the wholesale market. There are other benefits to solar. For example, um, if you have the solar right there on your rooftop, you don't have to pay the cost of transmitting it from the power plant on the grid to you. And and when you do transmit electricity, there's something called line losses. Uh, You generate 100 kilowatt hours over here, you may only end up with 95 kilowatt hours over there. Uh, Because uh, electricity over, uh, as it flows, it it loses some of its power and and you have what are called line losses. So you avoid line losses. You also get the... um, we in the city of Austin, they also give you a credit for the environmental benefits of the um, of the solar generation, which is they acknowledge that there are environmental benefits. When you add those numbers up, like I say, you could end up with a price that's more than the um, the net metering cost or less than the net metering cost. But at least from my perspective, you're asking the right question, which is you know what what benefits are you providing to the utility? What costs is the utility avoiding that other customers don't have to pay? I mentioned earlier that one of the, to me, one of the more important factors now is the fact that we really are seeing the the price, the, the cost of solar panels coming down, particularly in these large arrays. Of, uh, we're seeing utilities that are now able to enter into wholesale contracts for uh, solar power in large quantities for four or five cents a kilowatt hour, uh, which is less than the total retail rate that that you pay to a effectively pay to a rooftop solar customer. So there's a there I think there's a good argument that the value of solar you start with the wholesale value uh, and then you add in any additional benefits uh, that you get from um, having that that power located right at the customer's premises rather than having to transmit and distribute it from the uh, larger sources. Um, you can actually say, hey, that particular area is, is an area where we need more power. We need more generation. We, we, uh, we may, if we didn't have solar rooftop, we may need to build something else as a utility. There's a project going on right now in, in New York, in uh, Brooklyn and Queens, where the utility is saying, well, we could spend a billion dollars on a new major utility improvement on our side of the meter, or we could encourage projects on the customer side of the meter in terms of rooftop solar and energy efficiency and what's called demand response programs where you reduce your energy use at peak times. And what the utility is saying is that, hey, that that actually could be more economical, not just for the solar customer, but for everybody. So again, this is a it's not a black and white debate. It's it's a debate where we can be more granular in our analysis and say, let's look at what are the benefits of um, of uh, solar, depending on where you are on the network um, and what time of day uh, you're producing your electricity. One related issue I'd just like to bring up here is the issue of simply electricity demand is flattened is flattened off. Uh, it's declining. There is less electricity being sold. So regardless of uh, you know, however you charge the, the you know the net metering rates and, and these types of things, the utilities are selling less. So how do they maintain their businesses in in that light? Well, again, one one of the things they're proposing is, and it, it's not so much that they're selling without uh, aside from the um, net metering issue, which you know can be customers basically eliminating all of their usage. We've also got efficiency, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, but on the other hand, we do have much more efficiency now, and. 
I would say that utility sales have flattened out, uh, maybe slightly declining. So one way that the utilities, again, want to deal with that problem is high customer charges. Again, that's, in my mind, not the best solution. Uh, Another solution that's been proposed in a number of states is something called uh, decoupling, where basically what you're saying is if the utility sells overall a little bit less, let's say they sell 1% less than they expected, they get to raise the price per kilowatt hour by 1%. Again, remember, let's say the price per kilowatt hour is ten cents a kilowatt hour. Then maybe they can charge ten point oh one cents, or you know, it depends if it's a one percent. So, uh, on the other hand, if they if if the utility is is selling a little bit more than they expected, they have to reduce the the uh, per kilowatt hour charge by by that amount. And the idea is that the overall revenue for the utility stays the same uh, over time. That's a solution that's been proposed uh, in a number of states. Our guest today has been Sonny Popowski, former consumer advocate for the state of Pennsylvania and current advisory board member for the Climate Center. Sonny, thank you for appearing on the show. Hey, thank you for having me, and thanks to the Climate Center. It's great to be a part of that now here at the University of Pennsylvania and the great work that Climate Center is doing. Thank you, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in to Energy Policy Now from the Climate Center for Energy Policy at the University of Pennsylvania. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to share with friends and colleagues, give Energy Policy Now a five-star rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. And, of course, you can keep up to date on the latest news, research, and events from the Climate Center by visiting our website, www.climateandenergy.upenn.edu. 